1: Welcome to Rule the World, the ultimate power of storytelling. Storytelling is what connects us as humans, and for brands, it is no different. A well-told story can effectively position your brand in the minds and hearts of your audience and can convert thoughts and feelings into results and revenue. On this show, we dive into the unique and recurring principles of world-class storytellers from every walk of life to help you level up your storytelling skills and knowledge to drive real, measurable results for you and your organisation.
2: Here's your host, Paul Furlong. Hello and welcome to Rule the World, the art and power of storytelling. My name is Paul Furlong, Creative Director at Hopeless Media. Before we get started, I wanted to tell you some really exciting news. I've written a book and it's coming out very soon with Fisher King Publishing. It's called Rule the World, master the power of storytelling to inspire, influence, and succeed. Of course, there will be more news as soon as I have it with regards to a release date. But upon release, you will be able to get hold of a copy in all good bookshops, including Amazon and Kindle, Waterstones and WH Smith in the UK, Barnes & Noble in the US, and all good bookshops throughout the rest of the world. So keep your ears peeled for more news coming soon. Anyway, without further ado, I'm delighted to say that today's guest is Phil Disley. An award-winning illustrator and regular contributor to much of the broadsheet press, Phil has delivered columns in the Guardian, the Independent, the Times, the Financial Times, and the Spectator. Phil, welcome to the show.
0: Ah, yeah, nice to. Uh, well, I can see you, but uh, hear you as well. Yeah, so all good.
2: I've given you a little bit of an introduction there. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about what it is that you do? Um,
0: it's a it's an evolving beast, I, I guess. It's a basically i'm an illustrator so i draw traditionally all my uh i've had like a 30 year career the majority of, of that has been uh, in editorial so for magazines newspapers uh done quite a bit for book book publishers as well and now obviously it's kind of um well i'm noticing the the only people who pay quite well are the ones who sell it as print so there's very few that are paying you just for web. It's normally got to work um, for print as well, and uh, so by uh, by default, a lot of the stuff that I was once doing for just print is now ending up on the uh, on the uh, on the web as well. So um, yeah, and then kind of more more recently, I'm kind of uh, writing my own kids' books to well children's picture books, um,
1: and I've also done. Uh, a little bit of uh,
2: animation
0: as well
2: at one point a couple of years ago. So amazing, uh, yeah. So yeah, that's me. T- t- just just unwrap the um, what you what you called editorial. Tell tell me a bit more about that. G- give us a bit more information on that.
0: Yeah, so editorial um, covers uh, anything from the daily, so um, newsprint. It can cover. Um, uh, obviously the weeklies which is they're, they're what are more uh the, that's the area that's more profitable now uh, obviously because the dailies the sales are really um really slumped with the dailies uh, and then you've also got uh the monthlies um editor i think that's about it yeah so it's anything in the, the kind of publishing uh printing
2: uh, arena really and your your work that goes in there is the is the illustration? So that's the the covers. Sometimes it's some of the political cartoons, uh, sorry, yeah. politi- political illustrations. Yeah. So um, it can
0: be yeah. A lot of it. I mean, for example, the political. Um, a lot of the stuff I've done is uh, standalone. Uh, they call them leader cartoons. So they are in the news of the day. So uh, I've done a lot of them. So there's no no copy to them. It's just basically that would be um read the read the well what's the news uh, do some on it uh, and then um also within the the news arena there's you you're doing stuff for written pieces you know the uh, kind of regular gigs that you do um then we've got so obviously this is this is just in the dailies so they are generally turn around in like a day um like the leader cartoon stuff was you'd probably you'd arrive at an idea by about two three o'clock so you'd be reading the news in the morning have an idea by about two three o'clock then you'd have until um probably about seven to 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 meet their deadline for the to get it into print for the the next day and then the weekly stuff far less stressful you've probably got a couple of days to do it um generally there's similar more similar subjects but probably more um a bit of comment and a bit of um bit more analysis i guess because it's it's a weekly so there's uh, a piece a respected writer who you know are giving an opinion on something um that's a bit more considered because they've got a like, you know there's more time to do the piece uh and then the the kind of monthly stuff is just um generally glossies and uh, so they are uh, the piece will well I mean a lot of the stuff I was getting i I've banked up you know banks of them that were just constantly coming through that you just oh, where are we up to or oh, number 98 and then you just crack on with the next one so um, so no stress um, probably a similar pay but just less of it um, all the I mean, there was there was good money in. Um, I mean, there was a lot of work in. Um, you know, as newspapers went from the uh, kind of broad broadsheet press to um, the um, the tabloid, or the kind of Berliner um, size was the Guardian size, but you know, the, the, the smaller size because there was just a shed loads of pages to turn that. Um, People weren't used to, so they needed a bit of punctuation with that. That's where colour came in. So obviously, newsprint went from black and white to, to colour, and then there was also the punctuation of illustration, so people could map their way through, you know, a lot of pages. So um, that that was um, that was my uh, that was the heyday, like, for me anyway in editorial. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I forgot what the question was now because I just rambled on. But, uh, yeah.
2: Me, we are just ta- talking about where, you, where, what you do and, and and how you do it. Yeah. Um, so in kind of traditional storytelling, there's, a, there's a, a kind of traditional linear storytelling. It has the benefit of, of playing the story out over time. So if you think about film or, or novels or whatever, you've got that time element, and often there's that kind of three-act structure. You don't have the luxury of that doing it like a single pane uh, illustration. So, how do you go about telling a story with one single illustration? It's a, a process of
0: boiling something down because A lot of the time, it tends to be big subjects that people have knowledge of, and they and you kind of um, reduce those things to certain you know to certain elements, and then use those elements within the image, but you you can kind of illuminate them in different uh, different times within the image. Some of them scream, some of them are subtle. So all those things give the 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 kind of the viewer the opportunity to read it, read an image in a sequence. So there's something that'll shout out so you'll go, we want them to see that. Then we want them to know, oh, okay, where is it? So you'll give them the setting that will be more subtle. And it will kind of um, become aware as, you know, I like those those illustrations that work on a number of levels. Like there's an immediate, wow, God, that's brilliant. And then you can go back to it and go, ah, ah. And so it's got a layered kind of uh, delivery, if you like. Um, so they're all always the most successful ones, I think. And ones without words, I think, tend to be the most immediate and most memorable. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it is hard to getting them. That's a skill within itself though, isn't it? Work, working out how to, um, how to deliver the message within one image. Yeah. It's, uh and you just pick it up over time. The different, you, you just evaluate your work all the way along. That works. That didn't work. Just be ruthless with yourself and, you know, um, and give yourself a break.
2: Cause look, I only had a day to do it. So. I <laughs> yeah, imagine with that time pressure that really put, puts a lot of, a lot of pressure um, on you to, to get it right and put, puts a lot of confines on you um, what uh, have you got an example of one of the, the illustrations that you've done um, where that really comes a, a, across and you really had to think in those terms of getting that whole story into one image and you maybe used that process that you've just talked about something that really shines through and then there's more subtleties in and around the, the main image
0: uh, 'm I'm, I'm in my studio and I'm just looking around for a clip than he has done that. Um, yeah, so there was one I did of I did a cover for The Spectator of um it was before David Cameron got into power so it was um, there was nothing on it on him at the time. there was no visual language for him because that kind of develops over over time as you know as they're more and more in the public eye you develop a like a narrative like a, a visual narrative for them so it was before all that there was nothing on him so we i did him as a a chameleon um because at the time he wasn't really sick because it was before he got power so he wasn't giving anyone any clues from what he was going to do if he got power because uh they don't do that, do they? They, they don't tell you what they are going to actually do. They just hint at and then, so they, they called it flip flopping. He was kind of flip flopping on all the big questions, so it was changing colours. He was he was kind of very. So I did him as this um, chameleon, um, and I did him uh, obviously labouring in at the time, and I did him on a um, a chameleon on a on a labour rose flower that had snapped. Just as he got into power. Um, so it was good in that it does work on it. You look at it and think, well, that's odd. So, David, it's that's David Cameron, isn't it? Okay, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's blue. Yeah, he's a Tory. He's blue. It's a chameleon. Oh, yeah, chameleons can be blue. Um, what's he on there? Oh, yeah, he snapped it. So it comes out. it kind of reveals itself in different. Um, and then it'd be okay. So why is he blue? Why? Um, so why why can we, So you ask yourself those questions and they they're all there, you know the answers to them yourself, but it's um they just make you ask more and more questions. So I like that kind of it doesn't give you a complete um, it doesn't give you the answer, it just gives you lots more questions. Um but they're aware of oh, that's they. you're just giving them the clues. That's David Cameron, he's a comedian, he snapped a leg. And so, and then the viewer then plays around with those elements and goes, and you can get loads out of it, you can just carry on uh, forever trying to, you know, thinking around that just that, that simple image, you know. But it's like and you try and do that with every, every image, but a, a cover image is a little different in that it has to be very striking because it's generally selling. It's the cover. It's selling what they're they're they kind of buying. I mean, it, I did a load of covers that were within newspapers, so so like review covers or T Times Two or G Two covers and all that kind of stuff. But again, they didn't have to sell it because they're not they're not shopfront, are they? Whereas, but the the magazine like the Spectator covers and stuff, they are their
1: sales will depend on can depend on the success of that
0: image. And if you come up with a really good one, you'll have a little spike and they'll commission you
2: again. So, uh, yeah. That's good. And I love that image as well. Um, fa- fantastic image. And I love that it creates more questions and it adds that curiosity into the story that makes people want to delve deeper into it. Um, but then you get that whole story once you've spent a little bit more time kind of rummaging through the the subtleties within the image. It's really, yeah. it's really, really clever. So, um, what's your process when you're planning the story that you're going to tell in your image?
0: Um, it's differentness for different. So, for, for images like the like the the one I've um, just been talking about the camera image, it's just been talking about. Um, that's it's like cooking, really. That it's you've got the ingredients on you. You got the person, the t- you know, you got the situation, you know, you have those ingredients. Then you mix in, okay, um, what's in the news at them. So you can add different, you can add other news stories touching upon it that are nice, and that they can add another element. So that's one area story, story, one kind of story inter- storytelling within one image. But with the the kind of the picture book stuff that I'm writing. A lot. I've, what I've found is the I've, I've written four now, um, and the first two were about. You tend to find that they're about you. They're just uh, you always end up writing about you, and they they reflect did a couple of big things that uh, happened in my life. You did. You, I didn't kind of know it at the time, but I'm looking now. and going, That's flipping obvious. You know that's. Know, yeah, i one of them. I've recently discovered I'm dyslexic, dead shy as a kid, and all that. And so, that one of the picture books is about that, which all of a sudden becomes painfully obvious and kind of uh, I'm outing myself, but I, I don't really care to be honest. Um, another one I was in um, is a, a, about um, I did a, a picture book on a, a, a fruit bat. Which is, um, I think it's a, a, an Australian term for a, a nutter, isn't it? A kind of someone who's a bit bonkers. So there's this fruit bat um, who's learning, it's a baby. So it's a kid's book. So it's got to be the right age. So it's a young fruit bat learning to fly. And he is um, whizzing around like a nutter, kind of. Uh, and that relates to um, I was in a, a very bad um, cycle accident about five, six years ago. Like, I really, I was really ill. And obviously that's come out through this. Um I'm I'm the nutter kid running even though I was a middle-aged man, but I'm still a middle-aged man running around like a nutter, not kind of so that's within that that uh, story as And it the kind of the last two I've done have been far lighter, probably far more um marketable and kind of um. Because there's no baggage with them, they're just uh light and airy and fun. So um we'll see which one gets published first. <laughs> if any of them get published for um I'll keep trying. Um so yeah, that'd be interesting to see what they, they go for.
2: So it 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 comes back to putting a lot of yourself into the in into those stories as well as, as you said, with the uh, kind of the Cameron and the, the political things that kind of the context of what's going on in, in the story that you're trying to tell, as well as the characters and and yeah. what have you. Is there anything else that you would put into, into the story? Is there any other ingredients that you throw in there? Um There's, there's certain...
0: Um, so, like, with the political stuff, it would be, as I, as I mentioned, like peripheral stories or back catalogue stories, obviously, with every personality you're doing. There's usually... Um, some muck that's quite nice to uh, to drag up about them, or to remind them of, or um, I mean, what's what's the stuff that um, Steve Bell does in the, the Guardian? He, uh, there was always a, a kind of um, a short each image. if it was a Trump image, for example, it would be he was a potty mouth, wasn't he? Was so Trump was always as a toilet, and his head was the you know. So so that was nice. Just just constant every week, well every day. Trump is the toilet. So just to pepper you, boom boom boom. So there's like what was the stuff Scarf did with um you know like Thatcher. She was always sharp, um, cutting um, instruments. on she was either she was like a a um, knife, a knife or an axe, or a, and even when she wasn't a knife or an axe, she had that kind of sharp those features that were so yeah it's all that kind of um stuff but with the with the book stuff there are um certain things that um you, you just you play to the audience i guess so it's a different audience so a kid who's four most of them are experiencing the same things they're either starting to play footy, riding a bike, you know, all those things, you kind of, um, that's the environment in which you, you're dealing with, really, that's your surroundings. So you you, you go to that, you go to the, um, yeah, you, get, you go to your audience, basically, you're led by your audience, um,
2: yeah. And so, obviously, four-year-olds, as you say, they're, they're fairly broad um, experiences, they're all pretty much the same. But if you're writing for, let's say, the Guardian versus the Financial Times, the, the the audiences there are, they'll have their similarities, but they also have their differences. What kind of research do you have to do? I suppose over over the 30-year career that you've had, you start to get to know them fairly well. But what kind of research did you have to do in the early early days? Or if you get a new publication come to you, what research do you do to get to know your audience? Um
0: you know, I don't actually sit down and do any you just become aware that Polly Toynbee is going to be writing about um um feminism or you, you know these and you you kind of you're kind of aware of the audience that it's 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 for but you're not actually those publications don't mind like I do a lot for the spectator which is a quite um I'd say right of centre um, publication, and I'm not. I'm left of centre, but they publish. There is a leaning that way, but they do publish stuff from. They they, they try and offer a broad, a broad, broad spectrum, but there will be an angle on it that homes it to their their kind of um, their market or their their audience. So And this was all... See, it was was odd, because before Tony Blair... It all all happened after Tony Blair, really. Before Tony Blair, I wouldn't really have worked for... um, The Guardian and The Times. You would have worked for one or the other. After Tony Blair, because he brought everything to the middle um, and all the... um, The parties became very; they're all fighting for the middle ground, really, or aren't they? And um, you could, you could. There wasn't. It wouldn't be strange for me to have worked for the Telegraph and then the Independent. I did end up working for for all of them at one point. So it's. um, So I don't think you have to be. You have to be aware of of your audience, but your your audience. can I put it. They're they're not kind of they're not narrowly that kind of they're not everyone who reads The Guardian isn't a sandal wearing um <laughs> history teacher or do you know what I mean? It's a, it's a broad church and um your work has to reflect that really. So you're aware of it, but you're not um it's it's you, it's your your voice as well. So it's um
2: yeah. Yeah, that that makes sense, and I suppose they wouldn't be uh, the publications wouldn't be uh, bringing you in to do the illustrations if they thought that you weren't going to be able to to talk to that audience in the first place. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, I have been blackballed by a few, but <laughs>
2: <laughs> so um, there's there's a fair amount of humour in in a lot of your illustrations. Um, some of it's quite uh, dark, and some of it's fairly uh, on the on the surface um, and and quite broad on occasions. Um, why is humour so important to storytelling? Would you say?
0: Um, briefly, I would say it just connects us, doesn't it? With with storytelling, definitely, it's um, it's something we have, uh, especially in this country. We have a very um, everyone gets it, don't they? Most people get it anyway. It's not like in America where, <laughs> where, where when some people don't get it and you and you end up explaining it and then it's just not funny. Um so um yeah, I think it just connects everyone, doesn't it? If you you're like, okay, okay, yeah, that's funny. I get that. And then that's a bit of, yeah, okay, you you agree with the, the reader agrees with you, you get them on side, and then you give them something else kind of thing. I think it just sucks people in. People want to have a laugh as well, don't
2: they? And yeah. is, is there a, you, you were talking before about ingredients to go into a story? Is there a way of some people are naturally funny, aren't they? Um, yeah. Some people can't tell a joke to save their life. So, is is there a way to kind of become better at humour? Is there, are there ingredients to creating humour?
0: Um, I've never analysed it that much, but I, I I but people people tell me I'm quite funny. Because I tend to be quite... I, I, I tend to talk about the things that you shouldn't... I enjoy talking about things that you shouldn't talk about, which is very, very easy to do now because the, the world's changed that much. The left—the left's become so um, empowered almost that you, you everyone's got a right to be offended. But also I have the right to offend everyone as well, don't I? So it's kind of... Um, yeah, so it, 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 it's just, um, I, I don't know, it's just... I, what was the question? Sorry, I just rambled there. <laughs> how,
2: how, how do you create humour? Is, is there I, ingredients to create humour?
0: I think you've just got to um, make yourself... Well, for me, it's please myself. Just um, make myself chuckle, make myself laugh. And if um, you just got to hope that you've got some kind of... Um, I don't know um you're not a ra you know a raven lunatic who know no one kind of uh, can relate to um which that would be funny though in itself wouldn't it because <laughs> so um yeah just uh, yeah just make yourself laugh I, I would I would guess yeah. I don't, it probably is a science isn't it but um yeah just please yourself that's what I what's what I try and
2: do I think I think that works I think that works for for a lot of comedians doesn't it and you always get a tribe of followers. Uh, who find your brand of humour funny. Um, and and there'll be other people, I guess, as you said before, British people get most humour most of the time, don't they? And then there'll be yeah. others that perhaps don't quite get that, on
0: board. There's that other thing. We quite like our little... We like discovering things, don't we? We like our little bit of humour. Oh, oh, I get that. That's sick. Or that's a bit, you know. And as soon as it gets too big, we, we run away, don't We... It's not funny anymore. It's like Coldplay; they're not good anymore, are they? Do you know? Do you know what I mean? But uh, and actually, they were they, they were quite good, weren't they?
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. I'm probably going to get stoned for that. <laughs> <laughs> but no, they were they were really good, and then they got massive, and everyone went, ah, "You shouldn't like
2: Coldplay," and uh, and then no one no one dare like Coldplay. So yeah. it's, uh, and probably objectively, they're yeah very talented musicians. Yeah, yeah. Yellow was brilliant. I love Yellow. Yeah, com- completely get what you uh, what you're talking about. Completely, I'm exactly the same. As soon yeah. as someone becomes good or or in the zeitgeist, it's like no, don't like it anymore. Yeah. You want to be popular, but not not too popular. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so, um, obviously, the the world that you work in and, and the work that you do is is very creative. So, how can we uh, stimulate our creativity even further? How, how, how do you make sure that you're constantly creative? Obviously, you've got to do this potentially every day um, and you've got to be creative by seven o'clock in the evening to a yeah. deadline. So how, how do you maintain your creativity? I, yeah, uh, it's a muscle. I think it's just a muscle. It's like everything else.
1: And I'm fortunate in that I was, I had a training in an industry
0: which was relentless. It was daily. So I had to be creative every day. And you learn little. Um, well, f- for a lot of visuals, it's you have a visual, visual, a, a larger visual vocabulary than most. So you have a larger. It's like people who write will have a larger uh, normal, like a traditional vocabulary. So they have a, a greater um, body of words. To, whereas I have a greater body of images than most to draw upon, use, manipulate, play with. So as you get um, more and more experienced, you become more and more uh, adapted um creating things out of nothing. Just um and and you develop ways of
1: thinking that are um just when you think around things the connections between um you know you 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 think oh god I've got to um do something about
0: uh, glasses, this and this and this. Then you think around glasses. How glasses fit on heads, um, or you need two here, two ears. So you know all those things that you, those associations you make. That's all might there might be something there that connects with something else, and that's where your kind of creative um, your creativity comes from. I think,
1: and having the opportunity to do that uh, most days
0: develops that, and it just uh, becomes second nature. And you develop, like I developed this thing where I'm so used to deadlines, and there'd be times where there'd be, I just couldn't come up with something, you know, just really struggling. But I'd read around what the subject was, I'd lie down, sleep 10 minutes. When I wake up, I'd come up with the idea every time. It's that when you, um, if you, it's like cooking again, the ingredients, put them in there. Um, and then you sit on there, think about them while you That kind of rapid-eye period between uh, falling in and going to sleep and that's your most creative kind of um, time. And I'd always come up with, on deadline, <laughs> have a, not have an idea, go for a sleep, 10 minutes, come up with the idea, go and do it, bish, bash, done. So it's, you, you just develop these... Um, different ways of i don't know how i found that out but i must have <laughs> i don't think i found out on deadline i must have found out that i was often getting ideas when i woke up in the morning uh, and i was thinking oh i need an idea now i need to wake up in the morning but it's two o'clock what am i gonna do all like, that the trick
2: is going to sleep though, isn't it if you're stressed and you
0: can't uh, yeah So but, yeah yeah
2: Abso- absolutely um i think i think anyone listening to that who, uh, who likes their sleep will definitely take that on <laughs> and uh, <laughs> use that as a as yeah. a, a plan to to get their community uh, their um their creativity going. Um and um. So as as part of that, how did you learn to think in terms of story within the within the images? I know we've talked about the the ingredients that go in into it and how how to get the creativity flowing. But yeah. well, there's there's a certain kind of thought process that goes into the story isn't there and and I know over time it's going to develop but what was the initial um kind of uh learning that went into it and that's developed over time to think in terms of that storytelling
0: um the bigger picture longer the storybook stuff I'm doing now still learning but it's I can see the books it's getting better and better and better and better and they're taking less and less time the, like, the first book I did probably took, not, not constantly, probably about six or seven years. Bear in mind, it's a 32-page a picture book, so there's less than 500 words. There's, it's all image, it's all, you know. Um, but fa- finding the story, boiling it down, all those things like all my learning for the stuff that I'm doing now will have been done on those early couple of books where just wasting time, not well not wasting time, just doing stuff, failing, failing. it's not right. it's not right. it's not right. still not right. And then you kind of you kind of develop it okay, so I need this part of the this part of the book needs to be slow. How do I do that? this Part of the book needs to be fast because it's happening, so all that pacing, all those things. You develop little techniques to it's first of all, it's spotting that thing that you need to do that, and then how to do it. All those things that they kind of just come with time and experience, and people tell you that's rubbish or that'd be good, but try that. And then you end up it's, it's being self critical, really finding out yourself that look, that's not right, that's that could be better. That that's and you just know when it's not working because you get to the end of the story and it's like, still, it just feels a bit cold. It's not, and then when you get it right, you're like, because you just so desperately want it to be right. When you when you when you kind of you con yourself that it's right, it's yeah, that's quite good. It can still be better because so it's just a constant grind of improvement of improving. And there are no there's a lot of the time there is a formula for a lot of the things, but a lot of the stuff you've got to kind of tweak, find out yourself. There's another way of doing it that's even better for that kind of um that part of the book or that kind of what you want it to do. So um yeah, finding out all, all the time. Um like there's this thing with a lot of picture books, you've got that beautiful thing where you got the page sense that, that so you almost want at some point you want to click, you want an east end, this cliffhanger, dun, 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 and then okay, so oh god, you want them to sit. And then if you want to, um, for a bit of a wham thing or on the next page, or you might want them to like kind of mooch m- 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 over the page, not kind of fly over, you want them to absorb what's on the give them a lot of stuff to take in absorb turn around and then oh, more so it slows them down all, all those kind of techniques are um useful if you use them correctly in the right place and i'm not an expert on it i'm still still learning but in um,
2: slowly getting there and within your pictures and your illustrations in everything that you do you have a very distinct voice. I think if I saw uh I don't know, the spectator in a cover, I would know if it was you, um, from looking at looking at all your work. How did you develop your voice um o- over time and um and 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 how would you describe your voice as well? Um it's I,
0: I always describe an illustration style as it's a bit like handwriting, isn't it? Because a lot of, a lot of, the, like when I was at uni, um, you'd have like a month to do uh, an album cover. Oh, bloody hell. That'd be amazing to have a month to do an album cover now. You'd have two a day, two, I don't know how long. You, you wouldn't have long anyway, but a month. So it's great in that you have this time to wallow in and find out stuff. But, what I found when I got into industry, but but I, I didn't at the time. As a student, you don't have a, a style, a handwriting style, you're still playing with stuff. So you probably do need this a reason for it. You probably do need that time to wallow in different um, techniques and, and ways of mark making and stuff like that. What was it? So yeah, by the by the time I got out of um, uni i went into industry into papers pretty much straight out. the first job i got was in the standard even standard um and that was a weekly and they give me like at the time it was um before the internet so i'd be posting the artwork the colorful color artwork and the rough would be done via fax so i remember faxes so I'd, i would have to fax a line drawing They would look at it at their end tell me, yeah, do they? yeah, great, do it. So I'd have a lot less time, I'd have a lot less than a month, I'd have like a couple of days. So take that time out of things and then you just develop your own handwriting and you have to because the deadline's going to, you take the time out of the equation and it evolved like that. So the less I thought about style, the better because it just happened naturally so you look at my stomach, and I'm like, well, why does it look so quick and scratchy? Because it had to be quick and scratchy, so that's become my uh, my my style. It's got mistakes in it because I didn't have time to correct them, but it's got you know all those things, they're all part of it. So, yeah, it just develops over, over time. Um, and the less time, the better, isn't it? The less actual...
2: Time dwelling on something probably the better. So yeah, very good. I love it, and I, I do love your style. It's uh, it's great. Uh, as I say, I would I would spot your your work a mile away, um, and and know it was yours. So um, as with all of our guests, I would love to ask you three quick fire questions. Um, so uh, who do you think of when you hear the word story, and why do you think of that particular? Oh,
0: kids. Well, a mother. I, I, I totally switched. Two kids' books mode these days, so less editorial, more kids' books. So I story I go Morris Sander, uh, where the wild things are every day of the week. Absolutely best book ever. Yeah, don't know how many words it is. It's under five hundred. It's about, but it's unbelievable. The beauty. It's just. It's so beautiful and so. It's that. It's that onion skin thing again, where it reveals so many different, it's just brilliant. And I, I've read it like a small child as an adult, probably about 500, 600 times. I find something in it every time that I didn't know, that there's just layers within it that you're like, so why did he, so he's a king. why is he? So you're asking yourself all these, these little questions. And so... And the only thing that brings him back is the smell of his supper. It's just brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. It just cuts through everything
2: all there. So clever. I don't know how he did it. I love it. I I read it to my kids for the first time about four weeks ago. Uh, Right, okay. They they absolutely loved it. I've loved it for years, but they absolutely loved it. Yeah. um and uh yeah i agree with you it's a superb <laughs> children it's amazing um can you recommend any good books websites blogs podcasts etc about um illustration or, or storytelling in general or uh, writing kids um, books or, or or anything i don't really look at any of that
0: stuff really sorry but I, i've got but david there's a book by have you have you read not now bernard i haven't classic oh do you know? Um, David McKee, so he did uh, Mr. Ben. He d- he's done a, it's, it's similar to, it's quite similar to the uh, Maurice Sandak book. And like, it's a, it's, a, it's got a bit of a wild, childish side to it. Uh, that's a brilliant book. It's a must, again, 32 page picture book. It's about just a kid who's being ignored, not, not now being it, not now being it. So he goes outside. Comes back in, tells everyone he's found a monster in the garden. And so, and it's ended, obviously it ends up being him. He's the monster, just, but it's a brilliant book. Um, the inner child. I love all that kind of stuff. I never grew up, you see, so never had to.
2: It's the best way to be. I'll draw, that book you, know, all you, like. you don't have to grow up, do you? you just, yeah. Uh, yeah. Brilliant. I'll find it and read it to my kids and, uh, and then spend hours studying it too. Yeah. Um, and last question where can we find out uh, more about you? And, uh have you got a website Are you on any social media um,
0: uh, yeah the website is uh www.phildisley.com. uh i'm on all of it I'm, I'm, I'm on i'm on all of them i think i'm on twitter don't use it very much these days it's very much more newsy um so i did use it a lot at one point um instagram facebook i'm on all those um I'm not on TikTok yet, but I'm I'm, I'm kind of, I'm I'm toying with it, but I don't think I have anything to say yet. So I'm not, uh, I'm on there just as a voyeur because I do love the, um, the storytelling, the storytelling is absolutely brilliant. And it's just a wash of, um, yeah, I love it. Uh, But don't think I've got anything to say that's of anyone's interest at the moment. So what I'm saying, I won't say anything. Uh, when I do, I might post something and then be ignored by everyone. Yeah. Brilliant.
2: So your your handles on on Twitter and Instagram would that be uh, Phil Disley?
0: Uh I sorry. Yes. <laughs> Just yeah. My name and uh, I, I might show up. Brilliant. It's a rareish name, so it's it's uh,
2: yeah brilliant. Well, Phil, really appreciate uh, all, all your stories that you've shared with us, all your knowledge and, and expertise um, and I, I do encourage anyone listening to go and find Phil's website uh, have a look at uh, all of Phil's illustrations that are on there and uh, and keep your eye out for, for Phil's books that will be out very soon uh, Once again, Phil, thanks for your time today, really appreciate it and I look forward to catching up with you soon Thanks Paul, it's been a pleasure I need to See you later Thank you for joining
1: us for this episode of All the World. Be sure to rate, review and subscribe to the show and visit weareopusmedia.com for more resources based on today's topic, as well as access to more episodes that will help you develop your storytelling abilities. That's weareopusmedia.com. Thank you and see you next time.